Welcome to the Emergent Experience Podcast. I'm Monique. And I'm Satoya. We are two close friends that share a passion for self-care, personal growth, and women's empowerment through honest dialogue and shared life experiences. Thank Thank you you for for joining us. us. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the first episode of Emergent Experience. Um, This is a very long-awaited project, kind of, sort of. We kind of just came out with the idea, and within five hours, we had a website, a name. (laughs) That's true. Everything. Um, I guess we shouldn't talk, uh, segue into... The definition of emergent. Yeah, so what is emergent? We looked up some really cool definitions. The definition that I found, um, that I identified with was um, evolution, or to evolve into. Yeah, that's a good one. And, and I identify with that because I'm always thinking about evolving, and I, I, I truly believe that, you know, we're always evolving, and it never ends in life. It, it, no matter what, where you are in life, you're continuously learning and becoming this different person, or... I don't want to say different, but maybe an enhanced person of yourself. Yeah. You know what, though? I think I think that idea is very countercultural because we're in a time where a lot of people, instead of instead of evolving or being challenged to evolve, whether whether from themselves or an experience or from outside people, um, it's almost like, oh, everyone else is a hater or people need to accept me for who I am. Mm-hmm. But it's not about that. It's about seeing who you are, but then also evolving to be better. Yes. And so- Which is why I love the definition um, in the process of coming into being. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Yeah. Because um, the emphasis on the word process, that like this is an ongoing, like as you were saying in evolution, like this is an ongoing thing. It's not... It, it doesn't really have an end. It, you just keep evolving. And sometimes you may get stagnant. There's a time where there's a stall. There's sometimes there are things that happen to some people over and over and over, but for some reason they cannot grow from that. And that's true. Yeah, and I've seen it. I've experienced it. And I've seen it in mm-hmm. other people. And that's when you, you know, hopefully. You have enough insight to say, hey, something's going on. Why is the same thing right. happening? And if not, sometimes it's good to grab a friend or a therapist or someone to say, hey, why am I? This keeps happening to me. I'm not seeing why I'm not moving forward from this. So um, I think I, sh- I think it's important for me to say that because there may be some people who are listening who feel like, you know, I'm not evolving or this is not happening. This kept, you know, I'm stuck right now. What can I do? You know, what does it mean? Does it mean that I'm not going to get any better than 
where I am now. No, that doesn't necessarily mean it, but it's just, um, I think it's just something that we really should in, embrace. Because once you embrace that fact, then you're more open to change and you can move forward and you can evolve. Yeah, and I, I think you make a really good point. And almost, it's almost like you're painting this picture of, um, of the process of evolving or emerging. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not linear. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you might move forward, you might take a couple steps back, and you might fall down, you get back up. Like, it's this, it's not necessarily this linear process where you're just consistently moving forward. And sometimes, honestly, it's exhausting. Like, working on yourself. Yes. And, like, trying to evolve and trying to emerge and trying to grow and be better. It can get really exhausting, and sometimes you just have to stop and just and don't do anything. Live your life for a moment. Yes, yes. It is very difficult, and honestly, there's nothing easy about the process. I feel like when you're evolving, you're always put in an uncomfortable. You feel uncomfortable. Yeah, not, definitely. You're uncomfortable. You're vulnerable. Your your wounds are open. You know, definitely. you're just you're you're being transparent. Yeah. And you're going based on everything you went through and trying to take that and move forward to something different. So it's not always pretty. And it's yeah. not always, it's, it can be painful depending on the situation. It could be very painful. But the end result usually should be very victorious. Yeah. And it, it's absolutely necessary. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely, absolutely necessary. So, um, so we just did the definition of emergent. Mm -hmm. So what, what is an emergent experience? It's a little bit of what we kind of talked about. Um, the emergent experience is the actual process. The, it's, it, it is your, it's you being in the actual process yes present yes yes so you're in you're you're actually in this process you are mind you're in you have insights so you're, you're mindful and you're aware so yeah. the emerging experience really is just that it's coming into and being aware and open and and and, and embracing and intentional yes yeah mm-hmm. So, um, I feel like we're always going through this process, but there's some, there's some experiences that's very significant and very like, you know, you're just never going to forget that experience that leads us, that led us to actually to let us into this podcast to talk about. So in saying that, what was the catalyst for you in starting your emergent experience, like starting that journey for you? I think I had so many different experiences that like kind of rolled into one. But I mean, it's different experiences, but for me it was one big experience. Like it was so many different yeah. processes that happened until I got to this point and I'm going to talk about when I became a mother. And the reason why, you know, and there were some people like, "Okay, so what? You became a mother." And then there's some women like, "Yes, motherhood changed everything for me." Oh, definitely. <laughs> it was a very different 
experience in its entirety because I was 15 years old. Um, yeah. I was 15. I'm going to say it again. I was 15 when I had my daughter. And she was a big girl, too. Nine pounds, five ounces. Okay. <laughs> so um, I came from a very strict background. Strict Jamaican household. Very, very Christian. I mean, overly Christian, if that makes sense. Um, <laughs> and I was, I guess, I had, you know, I had, there was high standards in my household and also in my church that I had to uphold. Like, I was like the poster child of, you know my family yeah my first I remember doing like my first little mini sermon I think I was like 11 or something I don't know something like that and the fact is I was vulnerable I felt my first emotion of love from another person besides my family and it was so intense and I was sensitive I was quiet I was um, introverted. I was creative. I was all these things, but I had to burst, keep it in a bottle because of how I was expected to be. And when I met him, everything kind of exploded, imploded, whatever you want to call it. And then I yeah, was it that he didn't have those same expectations of you? No, and I was able to be. Yeah. And then I became a mom, and everything changed. My world changed. My the way people looked at me changed and it was very hurtful. The way I was raised at the family, the church was my family. Everybody in that church I looked at as my family and they really failed me. They disappointed me in the worst way and that was the hurt. So I remember that was like the callous for me. And that, like I said, it, was, it wasn't it was it was a good feeling. It was really bad. I was angry. I was, I felt alone. I felt unsupported. Um, I felt judged. I felt no one understood. Yeah. My friends, the friends that I had were very few. They stuck around for the most part, but a lot of them just never understood. As much as they were around, they just could never understand what it felt like. I, my childhood basically was robbed. So for me, within that experience, so many things happened. Um, becoming independent um, poor relationships with my family, my parents particularly, um, the judge, the judgment, like, oh, she's doing drugs, she's doing this. I still was the same nerd. I was a nerd. I was a nerd with the long skirt. Like, I, natural hair, long skirt, never had a perm, never watched secular things. I had to sneak it when my mom wasn't listening. <laughs> so that, for me, it just changed the way I looked at the world and the way I looked at people. All while raising a child. Yes. Yes. And then trying to f- make sure I don't meet the expectations of being uh, the typical teenage mom, welfare, child not doing well, um, the single mom thing, like everything to me, that's all that I, I was like, I had all odds against me. And that was a catalyst for change because I became more independent. Yeah. Um, that's amazing. Yeah. Like under... Under all of those circumstances that you, like, you're such an incredible human. So Thank you. I think that's... Sometimes I don't think I'm incredible. So amazing. Sometimes I think I'm a big ball, I'm a big mess, but... Well, I'm, luckily, I get to experience you, and I just <laughs> think you're magical, so... <laughs> that's great. You put me... Ma- a magical means I'm like one of the unicorns. <laughs> okay. So... Satoya, tell me, 
What was the catalyst for change? I, I, I've been, I've been sitting here thinking about that question because I think that what I would have originally said my catalyst was for change, um, that in and of itself has changed multiple times because like I, so it's almost as though like the catalyst is this one big ball, but, but as I'm growing, I've been seeing different sides of what the actual catalyst was. Mm -hmm. So I would have, I would have said that it was, you know, growing up in an abusive home and, um, and being really affected by that. But then growing up in a, in a, growing up in an abusive home and then becoming a mother that completely shifted my view in terms of what that catalyst was, because it turned from, it turned from this like inward self-loathing, this inward pain, this inward um, tension with my family mm-hmm. to this kind of holistic view of wanting people to be loved. And so the catalyst ended up turning, it ended up becoming my desire for people to feel loved and for people to um, feel accepted because those are things that I wanted to feel as opposed to the catalyst being the focus of the pain. Mm. And so I'd say that that was what started my journey of, of emerging. Also, there was another experience that I had where, I mean, we're eventually going to talk about the Enneagram in a completely different (laughs) episode, but um, in a future episode. But um, when I first, I, when I first learned about that and realized that um, I was a type eight, it kind of helped to um, almost like mesh all of the things that was, all of the tensions I was feeling internally in terms of my personality and um, feeling one way and then trying to show self-restraint, but then feeling a sense of weakness and showing self-restraint. And so that was also another important catalyst for me because it helped me to have somewhat of a tool to learn more about myself and to increase my level of self-awareness. But it also helped me to show kindness and grace to other people. So that was a huge, that I would say those two things were the experiences that helped to start my emergent journey. It sounds like with both with both of us, if I'm pronouncing my words appropriately at this point, um, pain really was the driving factor. Does it make sense? Like pain pushed yeah. us, pain pushed us, but instead of taking it, a negative instead of it becoming completely negative which it did have some negative i want to say for me especially there was some negative negative effects of that but i i stared it i was able to stare it and not just be this angry miserable, miserable person and you were doing the same as well yeah and i think i think there's a point where where the more we move along our journey the more we realize that pain isn't pain is just a symptom and so if we look at pain in that particular way, then we can dig a little deeper, become more self-aware, and then we can grow from it as opposed to thinking that the pain is the end of it all. Which is not. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Who are we becoming? And what does that look like? What does that mean? Because like, I wrote that down in my notes. 
So you can answer that question first. So who am I personally becoming? Mm-hmm. Or, okay. So where do you think so, you're going? Where do you think you're going? Like as you, because you know, you went through the experience, you had your album release, your EP release, you performed in front of people, you, you were vulnerable. Like where does this take you? Because you know we talk about feeling um, nervous and having butterflies because we know that we're walking into something great. Yeah, I I think in terms of what I believe this whole process of emerging is leading me to, I think that it's leading me to a few different things, actually. Um, or the end result is kind of like a a city of things where... I'm triumphant or I become triumphant over um, I become triumphant over the abuse and the neglect that I experienced as a child that my story doesn't end there that my story doesn't end with me continuing to live a life of survival but living a life of thriving And also understanding that there are other people that have similar experiences that I can hopefully um, share my story and they can relate to and they can overcome and find redemption in their own lives and they can emerge in their own lives and their own stories. And so my hope is that it becomes a generational effect. So I have a little girl and I don't want her to experience the challenges that I experienced as a child. Like I want her to feel completely loved and completely desired and completely supported. Um, and so, and so that way her children, like if she grows up and she decides that she wants to have children, that the things that happened to me, that those habits and that those, um, occurrences are broken. So my hope and my goal is for everyone, everyone to kind of just meet in this emergent city together and grow and thrive and unlearn unhealthy habits and learn new ones and well not new unhealthy habits but to unlearn unhealthy habits and to learn healthy habits and to um and to experience life and for them to figure out what individually works for them because our all of our lives and all of our stories aren't going to be the same but we have overlapping we can have overlapping topics, but we can also have, um, we also experience the human experience. And so in that, I think that we should all, we can all relate to one another and move forward in that way. That makes a lot of sense. Sounds like you're going to be like, you. well, you are an amazing person, but you're just really going to be Thanks, girl. a magnificent leader and um, mentor for a lot of people. Um, I think I think that I'm emerging into some, like with all these experiences that I've had, is it's pushing me, it's involving me into someone who refuses to just take one answer. I've never was a one answer kind of girl, but I think even more so now, I have been more empathetic toward people but also I've been more empathetic toward myself because others have not yes. been so very empathetic toward me. Um, I, I'm i not quick to judge 
as I was in the past. And that's through a lot of experiences and to realize that I'm no, I'm no different than anyone else. And I expect people to look at me the same, that I make mistakes the same way, they, the same way too. But I really believe that um, I'm becoming a better listener. And with that, I guess because of my field, I am, in, I am a psychiatric nurse practitioner. I have a gift to really engage and to connect with people that some people just can't connect to. I'm able to yeah. remove certain feelings that... I guess the person on the outside would have. Like, I can sit down with someone who may have murdered whoever and really look at who they are and their heart and what they've been through and look at their pain. So I believe that my my very existence on this earth is to really touch people and allow them to feel the respect and love that they probably never was able to get. It's almost similar to what you were saying, that you want people to feel loved. I do want people to feel loved and let them know that there are second chances. You can be forgiven. And it's not the end. Um, I would like to touch people in a, in, in a, at a greater effect than I am now. Um, yeah. There's so much out. There's so much information and knowledge that we have. To, that I have to give. And that I have access to. That I want to kind of bring back to those who just don't have the access to. Have no idea how to find it. Don't even know that it's there. Like, if you, if you have all this, like, if you can just tell someone, hey, do you know that you actually have the power and the ability to overcome this particular issue that you're going through? All you need is X, Y, and Z. I have X, Y, and Z, and I can show you how to get X, Y, and Z. And I believe that's what my goal is. That's what my purpose is. That I had a baby at 15. I came from this Christian home. My parents were immigrants, and they made it here. And my grandparents are immigrants. You know what I'm saying? Like, um my daughters she's 18 now she's gonna go to college it's her last year i can make it i can make it you can make it so i just i'm just that person i want to be that cheerleader i guess motivational speaking um coaching counseling just someone who can see the best in everyone and push it out and pull it out and that that's where i'm walking into and it i'm also i've been like pulled with through all the things that I've been through, I'm more open to trying things that I used to be terribly afraid of. Yeah. Swimming. Everyone who knows me knows <laughs> I don't mess with that water. Mm-mm. <laughs> don't put me in no water. Don't let it touch my hair. I don't nothing. I don't don't I don't want a little spoon of water to get in my nose and I'll start freaking out. But I, I took a swimming class with one of my friends. I said, like, hey, let's learn how to swim. And I can float and backstroke. Don't ask me why I can't go forward. I ain't ready yet, but I'll get there. Um, <laughs> I used to, when I was a kid, I used to be terribly afraid of speaking in front of people. And now I feel like I need to put myself in a situation where I'm going to speak in front of people. You can't have all this passion and drive and never share it, you know? So yeah. um, I'm actually going to find an acting class to go into so I can just make a fool of myself and feel embarrassed. I'm forcing myself, like I'm throwing myself out there so I can feel all that, so I can get past that. Yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think, I think the common theme that um, that we're both so passionate about is creating spaces for people to be able to emerge mm-hmm. because it's scary. Like you know, you're putting yourself in situations where you know if, if they're terrifying for mm-hmm. you. But you know that that's going to ultimately lead to your growth. Yeah. Did you have anyone? Did you have anybody to 
kind of push you? Did you? Can you think of anyone who's been around to kind of either gently push you or give you a nudge and say, hey, throw yourself out there? I've had a lot of people say that to me over the years, but ultimately I had to move at my own pace and I had to, um, purpose is very important to me. So every, like my whole life, people are like, you should go on American Idol or you should so go on this show or do this or that. But that is, that, that's not life-giving for me. What's life-giving for me is, um, is music with a purpose and speaking with purpose and um, connecting with people's hearts and me learning how to be vulnerable and um, being able to share my story and hear other people's stories. So once I, once I focused on what I was passionate about, that's when I had the confidence to move forward, not because people were just like, you should do this or you should do that. Because people, I I think that people, people love me, but they don't always know what's best for mm-hmm. me. And I have to be the one to decide that. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And you, only you will know when you're ready. Only you will right. know that. No one else. Right. Because there are just some things that, you know, pe- other people just can't do for us. Like, I would love to be able to sleep. And while I sleep pay someone to work out my body for me so that I don't have to go to the gym. <laughs> it's just not possible. <laughs> I have to do the work. Absolutely. I have to show up. And I have to decide what is the driving force for me to show up. And it, it, it isn't other people just saying, you should do this. It's true. I have to decide that. You're absolutely right. And and, and honestly, it feels better. It, I feel more comfortable doing things I know I need to do versus someone telling me what to do. And I, and I think that's in the both our nature. We kind of don't yes. follow the rules all the time. <laughs> My mom always told me, yeah, you were that one. You never listened. You always did something else. You always wanted to do different. I didn't, I did everything. I had a plan that I knew would work and you told me it wouldn't work and I'll make sure I prove to you that it was going to work. Like, I'll show you. And I'm like, yes, I did the same thing you did. (laughs) And I did it my way. (laughs) So, um, I always tell people like when they ask me about myself, I'm like, well, you know, I love people, but I'm also naturally defiant mm-hmm. so it's just who I am mm-hmm. as a person and it's not that we're and I would like to say it's not that we're defiant but we there are different ways of being thinking and seeing there's just there's so many different avenues to go about something and one way if you just have this one frame of mind you'll never get to where you're supposed to go you'll never yeah. get to the whole set what is it self-actuality you'll never get to that the highest the highest evolution of self. You'll never get there. And to be fair, I, I'm for sure defiant. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) I don't like being told what to do. Okay. So you have a little bit. I don't like being told when to do. (laughs) Well, okay. So you have a little bit of oppositional characteristics. (laughs) I might have to diagnose you, you know, we have to talk about that. Like (laughs) somebody says up, I'm tempted. I, I'm a much healthier version of myself now, but like when someone says up, I'm still tempted to stay down. <laughs> if somebody says left, I'm still tempted to stay right. And I'm pretty sure we can stem that to your childhood. I'm pretty sure we can. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we can. <laughs> 
My thing is always like, why? Why? Go up? I'm like, why do you have to go up? Why I can't go around? Why? <laughs> it's the question is for me is always why? And I've always been like that as a kid. And some people would, would take it as it being rude or... I wasn't being rude. I really need to know why. Even at work, sometimes I think when I say certain things or been in meetings or ask a question or I'll make a statement, they'll mean, look at me like I'm like, did you just say that? It, no offense, but why? Like, it's not, it's just not, I'm just, just why? Not, I'm not being rude or defiant. Why? Tell me why. Yeah. I have that side of me too. Um, it's gotten me into a lot of trouble though. Brooke does that. I'm sure it's gotten you into trouble too. Brooke does that. If for those who don't know, Brooke is my middle child, and everything <laughs> is why. As a matter of fact, she doesn't even want to read a book. I'm like, read, come on, Brooke, you got to read 20 minutes every day. No, why? And you know, part of me wanted to like, did you just tell me no? Because you know, when I was growing like, up, because reading is fundamental. Sit down and read. How this dare book. you tell me no? Why? And then I go to parent teachers and they think, oh yeah. Brooke is so lovely. She's reading at an exceptionally high level. Oh, she doesn't even like to read at home. So my middle child is me. Definitely is me. So before we end this episode, we want to leave you with this quote from Francis of Assisi. We have been called to heal wounds, to unite what has fallen apart, and to bring home those who have lost their way.